Well, good morning, New Community Church. It's good to see each of you guys here this morning, and I hope you're doing great. And before we jump into the message this morning, I just want to celebrate a few things. Um, The first thing is this past Friday night, we had our marriage night here at NCC, and we had over 50 couples that came out and were here on that night to invest in their relationships. And so, so excited for what God spoke to us on that night. And we do, we want to be a picture of healthy relationships And um, we want to be that image of God's love towards us. And we know a part of that is reflected in our love towards others. And so thank you for everyone that came out and was a part of that. I pray that God would continue to bless your relationships as you move forward in that. And another thing that I want to celebrate is last week I took a pastoral moment at the end of worship and just shared where we are at as a church. And I just want to celebrate you guys if you would put your hands together because you guys just responded in such an amazing way. And so I, as your pastor, I'm so thankful. Um, last week, our, our giving was way up. It was one of the largest offerings that we've had um, all throughout the year. So many of you were texting and calling last week saying, hey, if there's any way that we can serve during the week, whatever we can do. Um, we had people that gave large checks above and beyond. And so I won't mention your name, but thank you so much for investing everyone in the vision of NCC and being a part of what God is doing here, and we're excited for what God has in the future, and I'm so thankful for the vision that God has given us and how each and every one of us were able to be a part of that. And this Sunday morning, we are kicking off a brand new series, and it's called Labeled. And we want to talk for the next few weeks of things that we have been labeled, things that have been said about us. Um, I've been called a lot of things in my life. I don't know. You probably have too, okay? Some of them were great. They were given... They were labels given to me by people that loved me, that were there to encourage me. Some of them not so great, you guys. Um, Some of them were probably there because people didn't like me or they were frustrated with me, but we're given labels throughout our life. Um, And once again, some of them are encouraging, some of them aren't. But I want us to take the next few weeks and I want us to look at what has God labeled us with? How does God look at us? What are the things that God says over our lives and that he speaks to us, and that he wants to encourage and challenge us with. And so that's our focus over the next three weeks is how God has labeled us in our lives and how that should affect our outlook on life, how that should affect our relationship with others. What that means for us is we walk out our Christian faith day in and day out. You know, sometimes when things aren't labeled right, it causes problems in the world around us. And I was thinking about this as I was kind of Working through this message, um, sometimes our family's on the go. You probably like this. Busy running from one place to the next or meeting to meeting. And so we have a larger family. We have um, eight kids and then me and Sarah. And so sometimes there's a lot of soda drinks laying around. Okay, my drink of choice is a Coca-Cola, okay? No, everyone doesn't like that. But whenever I'm eating food, that's really what I love to drink. And sometimes I'll reach for that glass. And I'll go in and I'll go to take a big sip, right? There's nothing in here right now, so I'm not going to do that. But I'll take a big drink, and then all of a sudden that taste hits me. And what I thought was my ice-cold Coca-Cola is actually someone else's peach tea. I don't know why anyone would drink peach and tea together, but people do, okay? Going to offend some of you guys. Not a fan of Dr. Pepper, okay? Don't really like it, you guys. But when I drink it, I've grabbed someone else's drink. And sometimes they even punch these things in, but they've labeled them wrong. And in that moment, I just want to spit it out, right? If I'm in the car, if I'm at the table, wherever I'm at, I just want to spit it out because it's not what I thought it should taste like. 
And as I was thinking through this message, I thought, you know what? When things are labeled wrong, it makes the whole taste of life off. And that's how some of us are living. That's how some of us are walking around. And we've been mislabeled, maybe by ourselves, maybe by others. And the goal of the next three weeks is to remind us. Really on a deep heart level, it's to remind you every week that you would walk out and you would remember, this is how God sees you. Even sometimes when we mess up and we don't see ourselves like that, this is how God sees you. And this is what God has spoken over your life. And the simple fact that God would speak that and God would say that over each and every one of us, it should make all the difference in the world. And that's my prayer for us. And so we're going to start this very first week um, with looking at this idea that God has called you and I his children. You're sitting here this morning, whether you realize it or not, and God has placed a label on you. When you woke up, when you walked in, when you were very first born, God placed a label on you and his desires that you would realize you are called his son, you are called his daughter, that he loves you, that he's passionate about you, that God desires a relationship with you. But as I've already been talking about, some of us, we get mislabeled. We label ourselves different things. And I want us to do something as we start this message, okay? So I'm going to ask you to do something, and we're going to hold on to it, and I promise you it'll hopefully make sense at the end. So I'm going to ask you to take out a piece of paper, or if you have a smartphone, you can just take out your smartphone, okay? Um, Grab just a sheet of paper there in front of you and a pen if you need that, or if you have a smartphone, you're going to take that out. And you're going to think of one of your parents, okay? Just whichever one you want to, doesn't matter, you choose, okay? mother or father, and I want you to write something about, so you can just write mom or dad up top, or if you've got your smartphone, just write mom or dad there, okay? I want you to think something great about that person, something great about your dad, something great about your mom, just one. You don't have to spend a lot of time doing it, okay? If you're sitting next to your parent, just hide your screen, okay? And then this next one may be a little bit more difficult. I want you to write something that that person struggled with. So it could be, hey, my dad was always at my sports games, like that was so awesome, but he never really stopped and told me that he loved me or he was proud of me. Hey, my mom was super affectionate. She always gave me hugs when I needed them, but sometimes I felt like she was too busy and she didn't listen, okay? So write something amazing. Maybe write something that person struggled with, your parent struggled with from time to time. I know this is a little bit hard, so I'll give you guys a second. And then hold on to that. Promise that's going to make sense as we move to the end of the message today and as we look at this. I want us to look at this idea. We are called God's sons and God's daughters. That's how he views us. That's what he's spoken. We are children of God. That's the label that he's placed on us. And so I want us to look at Scripture and this passage of Scripture where we see this image of God as our Father. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 15. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there is that blue Bible in the seat in front of you. You can turn to page 510, or if you still got your smartphone out, just Google Luke chapter 15, and you will get there. And we're going to look at this passage of Scripture. Now, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is in a teaching moment. He's in a moment just like this. And there is a crowd of people in front of Jesus, and he's teaching them. He actually tells them three stories in the book of Luke. In that crowd of people, there are those that are consider themselves religious, they think they're wearing a label that says, I'm religious. And then there are other people that are wearing a label that they think says, man, I'm not religious. 
There are those that feel like they're close to God in the crowd, and there are those that feel like, man, I've just blown it. I'm so far away from God. There are those that think they know Scripture and know God. Then there are probably those in the crowd that feel like they really don't know what God is speaking over their lives. This is who Jesus is talking to. I just want you to know that because no matter where you're at in the room this morning, this story that Jesus tells, it applies to us. And we can relate to that. And this story gives a passion of God's heart for those that are far away, for those that are lost, for those that are, have distanced themselves. All three stories tell us of someone looking for something and finding it and rejoicing. And this is the heart of God. But it also gives us this third story, a beautiful picture of God's heart as a father and God's image of us and what he says over us and then sometimes what we think of ourselves. So we're gonna start reading Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. So you can look there in verse 11 and this is where we pick up this third story that Jesus is telling. This is what it says. Jesus continued... There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country. And there he squandered all of the wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out as a citizen of that country. And the citizen of that country sent him into the fields to feed his pigs. Now look at your neighbor and say, what? Because everyone in the audience would have gasped with disgust or been like, what's going on here? Because in that culture, pigs were considered unclean. They were disgusting. This was the worst possible situation that you could find yourself in. This was the worst possible kind of um, situation that you could be in was taking care of pigs. And so this guy had hit rock bottom. That's basically what Jesus is saying. He's hit rock bottom in this moment. And so he continues on. He gets to the place where he longs to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Get, make me like one of your hired servants. Make me a slave. And so he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servant, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For my son, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found, so they begin to celebrate. And the story could end there, but it doesn't. So I want to read the next few verses because we see something pretty powerful here. Meanwhile, the older son, this was the older brother, was in the field. And when he came into the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come. And he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf. And because he is back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, 
All of these years, I've been slaving for you. I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Yet we had to celebrate and be glad because the brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. That's a little bit of a story there, but I wanted you to get the entire picture there. Because we see this, Jesus is describing the heart of God as the father. This picture of a heavenly father who loves even when we feel distant from him. Once again, the crowd was full of people that felt like they were away from God. And Jesus is letting them know, hey, God sees you as his son. This morning, you're sitting here. God sees you as his daughter. God sees you as his son. That's how he views you. That's the heart of the father. That's the label that he has placed on you. But as you start to read this story, what you quickly discover is that's not how these two boys saw themselves. That's not how they viewed themselves. And even though the father loved them, even though the father cared for them, even though the father provided for them and had so much for them, that's not how they actually saw themselves. They lived in the father's house. They were close in proximity to their father, but they didn't see themselves as sons. And I started to look at this story and just started to think through this. What does one of the sons do when he gets in trouble? And there's so much here. There's, we could take so much time, and we have in the past taken time to, to kind of break this down. But I want to look at this from the father's heart and then from the son's perspective. You look at this, and it becomes clear. They don't see themselves as sons. And so one of them says, well, I guess I could go work. Like his initial response isn't, dad will take care of me. Dad will protect me. Even though I've messed up, I can go back and my dad loves me and he'll just invite me in. How he sees himself is, I guess I could be a hired servant. I guess I could work. And maybe if I work hard enough, then my dad will provide for me. And maybe if I do enough stuff, then I'll be taken care of and then I'll have food and then I can be close to my father. And so that's one of their perspectives is, hey, I'm just kind of a slave in this whole matter. The other brother, that's what he says. Dad, I've been slaving for you all of these years. And as I was just working through this message and thinking through this this week, we're labeled, you guys. And some of us have labeled ourselves slave. And there are some of us that are close to the father's house. And we don't realize that he's placed a label on us that says child of God. And so there's a lot that God has said about you as his daughter, as his son. And yet many of us, we're like the boys in this story. And we don't realize what God has labeled us. And we've forgotten what all of that means to be a son or to be a daughter of God. And we're walking around as slaves. And we're close to God. We sit in moments like this. We hear messages like this. And yet our mindset so many times is still like a slave. A slave has to work for everything that they have. The food, the provision, all of those things. A child receives it as a gift. A slave is always trying to earn their master's attention. A child receives it freely. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to perform. They don't have to do any extra stuff. They know that their dad loves them. And yet these boys that were so close to their father in proximity were living in this mindset, I guess for years. I've been slaving for you all of this time. And he didn't realize that he was actually a child, that he was his father's son. 
And so they're striving for money. They're striving for possessions. There's a tremendous amount of wealth in this household, and neither of these boys realize that they have access to it. And that's how some of us live. We sit in moments like this. We even sing songs that talk about this. You're a good, good father. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child. We sing songs like this, and yet many of us walk into this place, and we walk out week after week, and we don't really realize what it means to be a child of God. Some of us are still living with the slave mindset. We've been labeled as a slave. That's how we see ourselves. And so that's my question is, how do you see yourself? What label do you see yourself wearing? How do you picture God looking at your life? When the son blew it and when he messed up, he thought all that's left for me is to go work for my father. That's what I have to do. And he missed out on the idea that he was loved and that his dad would take care of him no matter what he had done, no matter the mistakes that he had made, that his father loved him and that his father was gonna care for him and his father was gonna provide for him. But the son did not see that. And so he falls into this mindset. He falls into this struggle of, I guess I'm just a slave now. I remember seeing a picture of this. Whenever I was in college, um, my dad worked as kind of like a project manager, a foreman. He was over a lot of different sites, a lot of different jobs, mechanics, welders, construction workers. And so when I came home for college, one time he said, hey, I can send you out to a job site. You can work, earn a little bit of money. And so I thought, yeah, I'll do that. It was the middle of winter and I wasn't thinking. And so I left that day without a coat. And I get to the job site and I'm working and it's outside, it's a construction job. And so I'm doing different tasks, but it is freezing cold. And there's other guys out there, they knew what they were doing. They brought jackets, I didn't, okay, I'm a young college kid. And, and so I'm just, I'm shivering, I'm trying to move to keep warm. And about noon, my dad showed up at the job site. And he's talking to different guys and then he walks over to me and I think, well, maybe he's going to check up on me. Maybe he's going to make sure that I'm doing the work right. And he didn't. He came over and put a, a coat over my shoulders. And he's like, Aaron, I just realized you left today without the house without a coat. And I just wanted to make sure you were warm enough. Now, ironically, my dad didn't bring a coat to anyone else there on the job site that day. Because they were hired hands. They were his employees. Like he cared for them. But it was different because I was his son. And he wasn't just concerned about the work that I was doing or that things were getting done. He wanted to make sure I was taken care of. And you guys, some of us, if we're to be honest, we struggle with knowing that that's how God sees us. We really believe in a mindset that, hey, we're kind of slaves in this thing. And I gotta do the work and I gotta do the right things or God's gonna come and check up on me and he's gonna be mad and frustrated with me. And the truth is he loves you not because of what you do, not because of what you produce, not because you work for him. He loves you because you're his daughter. You're his son. That's how he sees you. When he looks at your life, that's what he's speaking over you. That's the label that he has placed on you. And the struggle is many of us, we're still fighting with that slave mentality, with that mindset. And we think we have to work for this. God, I've got to earn this. I've got to do enough good stuff, God. And then maybe you'll let me back in your house. Maybe then, God, I can come back home. And maybe then you'll accept me if I simply work hard enough. In church, that's the mindset of a slave. And I want you to think about that. And I want you to look at your life. How 
are you viewing your relationship with God? Like maybe you're saying those things, God, I'm your child, but maybe you're still living as a slave. Maybe you're still living in that mindset that I've got to work for my relationship with God. I've got to work out my salvation. And so I want to challenge you this morning that God does not see you as that. See, for others of us, maybe it's not that we're slaves, but we feel like we're orphans. And we're walking around labeled as an orphan. And this is a different mindset than a slave. This is someone who feels like they've been abandoned. Like maybe God is not there. Maybe he saw you at one point, but now he's left and you feel like you're left on your own to do this. And once again, that's not the mindset of a daughter. That's not the mindset of a son. The mindset of a son and a daughter realizes that your God provides for you, that your heavenly father loves you and that he's gonna take care of you. And you see this, all as the son can say is, well, I can work for this. Like, like maybe you'll just have me back as a hired hand. But look at this, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And so he ran to his son. This was not done in that culture. An older man would never approach a younger man. The younger individual would approach the older individual. It was a sign of respect. It was a dignity thing. It was cultural that you would not run as an older individual. And yet the father doesn't care about culture. He is so in love with his son. He wants to be near him that he's willing to throw off every restraint and what's going on. And he's willing to run to his son and to be near to him. And the son goes into a practice speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father cuts him off and he says, quick, bring him the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for my son. This son of mine, he was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And so they begin to celebrate. And the son, once again, he had this mindset of, I don't really belong in my father's house. Maybe there's not a place for me anymore. And the father's immediate response is to remind him, hey, I've been looking for you been longing for a relationship with you. I picture every day the father at the edge of the road, just looking off in the distance, wondering when his son is gonna come home, waiting for his son to come back. See, the father loves his son, desires to be close to him, desires to have that relationship, even though the son did not see himself like that. That's how the father saw him. He was loved and he was accepted no matter what he had done. But the son felt abandoned, and he felt like he was lacking, like he didn't have access to everything that the father had given him. And so this is how he lives his life. This is why he finds himself in a pig pen with nothing to eat, and he's sharing the food with the pigs, just trying to make it by, just trying to survive. This is how he's living his life, not realizing that everything that the father has, that it's his. And it's the same way with the older son. Everything that the father has is his, and he's not living like that. In church, that's how many of us, once again, we're going through our lives, and you're trying to do it on your own, and I'm trying to do it on my own, and I'm trying to figure this stuff out, and I'm trying to be good enough on my own, not realizing that everything that God has, everything that the father has, everything that he has access to, the rich, access to the riches of heaven, he has given to you and to me. 
We're not orphans. We're not fatherless. We have been blessed by God. And so we look at that, we understand his provision. And so there's this idea that we can sit in moments like this. We can sing worship songs like this. And yet we can truly never experience the father's love if our heart doesn't understand, hey, we are children of God, that that's what he has spoken over us. I was thinking back as I was trying to look at this idea in my life and your life and what this looks like. And it's like this. There was this moment whenever I was young, I've shared part of this, part of my story before, where I, um, whenever I was a baby, so this is before really I can remember I was one year old, that I suffered a severe injury and I was taken to the hospital. I spent three months in the hospital. The doctors didn't think I would ever walk again. And then they falsely accused my parents of child abuse. And so I was taken away and put in um, foster care for a year. So at a very formative time of my life, I was separated and away from my parents. And it was no fault of my parents. My parents did everything that they were supposed to. By the end of it, the lawyers, the judges, the social workers, everyone was saying, there's no way these people did this. We falsely accused them and I got returned back to my home. But that affected me. For a year as a young child, I was away from my parents. I don't remember this, but I'm told every time I would see my mom and dad and I would go back to my foster family, I would just curl up in a ball and I would just cry. And I'd just stretch out my hands. He wasn't there, but I'd call for my dad. I'd cry calling for my mom. I just wanted to be close to them. I've realized this over the years, that that's affected me in ways that I didn't fully understand. And there's moments still 40 years later that I have to remind myself, God, you're, you're not going to do that to me. Of no fault of my parents, they weren't there when I was young. It was circumstances outside of their control, but it affected me in a deep way. And having worked with people in ministry for so many years and looking even across this room this morning, there are some of you and you're viewing God as you viewed your parents. Some of it may be things that they did wrong, maybe ways that they let you down. Maybe you could take out that card and you could see, you could fill up a couple of cards. My dad wasn't this. My mom didn't do this. And can I be honest? We end up as orphan and slaves because sometimes we think that our heavenly father is like our earthly parents. And in a room like this, if we were to be honest and take time, there's some of you that would stand up and say, I was raised in a single parent home and either my mom or my dad, they weren't there for me. And if you and I never stop and really pause and think what that does to us, we begin to treat God like that. I've worked with people and their father was verbally abusive and they think, well, that's gotta be the way that God sees me. Of course, he calls me sinner. He calls me worthless. He doesn't see my potential because that's how you grew up. There are those of you in this room that you struggled with a relationship with your mom and in some way you think, well, God's that kind of parent. He's not gonna be there when I need him. Whenever I call out to him and reach out to him, maybe he won't actually show up. And there are many of us that 
we don't really even pause to realize that, but our emotional health is deeply tied to our spiritual health. And can I just give you a, a simple tool that helps us begin to see God as the good heavenly father that he is? It's you've got to do what I asked you to do. You've got to stop and realize, hey, my earthly parents messed up. Can I tell you, my parents are amazing. I love them. They're, they're pastors. And yet there are ways that they disappointed me. And they weren't perfect. I love my kids. I would do anything for them. And yet each of them, as they start to reach this age, Micah's graduating, just graduated this past week. We've sat down over the past few months and I've had conversations of, hey, Micah, you got to start looking at ways that mom and I messed up. Because if you're not careful, you'll take that into your relationship with God. And some of you have sat here week after week in and out of church and you're struggling. God, why does it seem like we don't connect? You're still wearing a label that says I'm a slave. I'm an orphan. I really don't belong here. I know I come in week after week. I put on a good face, but I feel like God doesn't really love me. He doesn't see me. And I'm challenging you, church, that's not the kind of heavenly father that he is. When you look at this story, you see this amazing image of a God who's willing to protect, who's willing to run to you, who forgives us, who loves us, who blesses us, who restores us even when we've messed up. That's the kind of God that we serve. And one of the simple ways there's no magic formula is we've got to remind ourselves I'm a pastor, I preach this, and yet there are so many mornings I have to wake up and I have to remind myself, God, you don't reject me. And God, you love me. And I look out across this room and I know some of you, you had broken relationships with your dad. And you've got to remind yourself, God, even though my heaven or my earthly father was not perfect, God, I know you're not like that. God, I know you're good. I know you're loving. There are some of you in this room, you've never stopped and evaluated that and you're carrying feelings with you into your relationship with God and you've got the wrong label on church. And God's here this morning and this message is very simple. It's just a reminder that God loves you and that he wants a relationship with you. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how you've wasted or squandered your life. There is a loving heavenly father whose arms are extended and he's waiting this morning saying, I want you back home. I want a relationship with you. I want to be near with you. It's my protection and my provision that I'm offering you. And can I tell you as a dad myself that what I've realized is if I don't deal with that, it affects my relationship with others. It affects my relationship with my kids. It affects my relationship with my wife. What I think about how God views me affects how I treat you and how I extend love or how I withhold love from you. This is a serious issue, how you're labeled. And this morning, this is a reminder that God loves you.